This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from comedian Lee Camp, The Progressive, The Majority Report, Green News Report, Counterspin, The Young Turks, The David Feldman Show, and Citizen Radio with a bonus clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The David Feldman Show. I'm Lee Camp, and this is your moment of clarity. I've been down to the Occupy Wall Street protest several times in the past week, and one thing that strikes me is that I realize the police are just doing their jobs, but is there not a little voice in each one of their heads telling him or her that it might make more sense to monitor and arrest the bankers and traders and economic rapers making millions while that policeman loses his benefits, loses his house, gets shot at for less and less money each year, gets vomited on by homeless alcoholics for less and less money each year, gets rubbed on by lonesome exhibitionists for less and less money each year. Instead, that policeman is beating down a 19-year-old with a feather in her hair and a henna tattoo because she had the nerve to draw in chalk on the sidewalk a message that said less money to create smart bombs and more money to create smart kids. As he's punching her in the head and screaming, put down the fuchsia chalk, step away from the chalk while wrenching her arms behind her back, there's got to be a little part of him, a little part, thinking, wow, I just pawned my grandma's wedding ring so that I could afford to put my kid in daycare so my wife could work a second job so we could afford for her father to get the proper care for his Alzheimer's. And it was necessary because Wall Street has sucked this nation dry. But here I am right now putting a chokehold on a teenager because she won't put down the fucking chalk. Maybe my priorities are a little out of whack. 21% of NYPD officers are having trouble with their mortgage, and yet they've been told to arrest peaceful protesters because chalk or signs or speeches through bullhorns might disrupt the social order. But foreclosing on millions of families doesn't disrupt the social order. Sending every job overseas doesn't disrupt the social order. Taking money out of infrastructure and putting it in tax cuts for millionaires doesn't disrupt the social order. We've got collapsing flood levees and bridge buttresses. People are floating by on old mattresses. But those chalk messages, those might truly cause pandemonium. People just freaking out, running through the streets. Ah! Chalk! There was chalk! Did you see the chalk? What do we do? Is there an antidote for the chalk? If only we could somehow trick corporate heads and bankers into drawing something in chalk on the sidewalk or blocking an intersection or chanting through a bullhorn, maybe then we could finally, finally get them arrested. That's all it would take. Maybe if it's catchy enough, they would accidentally join in, you know, something like, go ahead and call us twats, we have credit default swaps. Maybe then the police would have a reason to arrest those dick rags rather than imprisoning the vegan kid using arts and crafts to try and save the dolphins. But no, we live in a world where not only is greed good, it's enforced by law. Lacking in selfishness is a sin so scary, so threatening to the status quo that the powerful need riot cops and black ops to silence it.
Leave it to Mitt Romney to complain about the Occupy Wall Street protests. At a speech at a retirement community in Florida on Tuesday, the GOP frontrunner said, I think it's dangerous, this class warfare. He would. His net worth is about $200 million. People like Mitt Romney have been making out like bandits over the last four decades. The top 0.1% have seen their incomes jump by 385%, while almost everyone else in the country, the bottom 90%, has lost money. Romney doesn't want to admit what anyone with their eyes open knows to be an obvious fact, that as Warren Buffett has said, there's been class warfare going on for a while, and his class, Romney's class too, has been winning. Plus, Romney doesn't like this protest because it gets at his fundraising base. He's already raised $2.3 million from Wall Street itself. Romney and other Republicans and their town criers on Fox can complain all they want about the Occupy Wall Street protests that are now sweeping the nation. But it's a loser for them because poll after poll shows that the vast majority of Americans understand that Wall Street has way too much power over our economy and over our government. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. You say you got a real solution. Well, you know, we'd all love to see the plan. You ask me for a contribution. Well, you know, we're all doing what we can. I think there are two things, two things as uh, two reasons why um, the uh, the Occupy Wall Street protests continue to draw attention and uh, excitement and enthusiasm, as opposed to you know a couple months ago uh, you got a hundred thousand um, uh, union people in uh, in D.C. protesting, bigger numbers. But the two main reasons are, one, you have a, uh, a group of people who are, like I've said before, uh, showing such intense commitment and doing it for a sustained period of time. And then number two is because of Tony Baloney, that cop who sprayed those women with pepper spray sort of demanded the attention of the mainstream media. Now, I do think that um, it would have happened eventually if these people stuck it out and grew, but uh, those two factors are uh, were really pushing over the edge. So uh, here is lonely Tony Baloney. And let me just read uh, David Benjoy as, uh, as flaming liberals who want to put every hood on the couch. We decided to investigate the psychosexual angst of Deputy Inspector Baloney. And the results aren't pretty. Featuring the vocal debut of Mike DeSeve, who despite his Frenchy uh, name is as Italian as Sophia Loren and Mussolini driving a Ferrari full of meatballs into the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> Written mostly by Paula Carino and Mike. So you see what uh, Benjoy is doing here. He's trying to show the Italian bona fides of the creators of this song. So get ready for this. Uh, I figure there must be a couple of Italians in Worcester. 
but in case Matt, uh, Massachusetts, you know what the number one um, ethnic background is in Massachusetts? What's that? I know you're going to think Irish, right? That's what I would think, yes. No, Italians. Wow. I figured there must be a couple of Italians in Worcester, but in case Matt comes from real America, uh, brajul is a kind of sausage. Mortadella, another kind of sausage, sausage of death. Pancetta is ham. Stunari means stupid. Fungula is a bad word. <laughs> and here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Lonely Tony Baloney. The crazy moon over Wall Street brings a tear to my eye. Mama, why these American girls, they gather fuss and cry. When they march and get out of line, raise the hell. A man's gotta do what a man's gotta do and bust out his mortadel. Shut up with your First Amendment or it's no more Mr. Nicey. I sprinkle on the pepper cause I like my dishes spicy. We're the NY Bungalow PD if you wanna know who we are. This baloney has a last name, it's M-A-C-E-R. We'd hate to see you hurt yourself so before you lose control. We'll roll you up in a plastic net and we make a nice brujol. Ah. Now everyone's mad and they got a big vendetta. They call me a pig. And often serve the cheddar I give these ladies the business Back in 2004 Mama, don't nobody respect the law no more I took a vow to protect and serve you naughty sons and daughters Don't they understand I'm just maintaining law and order you're stealing my heart, I spray it amaze I need advice to shut up in your face Till you little heartbreakers learn in your place What are you gonna do, make a federal case? With the NY Bungalow PD If you wanna know who we are This baloney has a last name It's M-A-C-E-R We'd hate to see you hurt yourself So before you lose control We roll you up in a plastic net And we make a nice control Hey! Unbelievable They just outdo themselves I was every week Every, Every week. week, they kick it up enough, and not only wow, crowd is going crazy. For the record, by the way, I do come from uh, Real America. If Real America is Queens, New York, yeah, Queens, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Um, it, it is, it is stunning. Uh, I mean, the 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 on, on so many levels, these guys are. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. 
By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Camp, and this is your moment of clarity. The Occupy Wall Street protest started something that is spreading across this country like a wave at a football stadium or a rash at a nudist colony. This movement started small and weird, but has gotten strong and angry like Carrot Top did. Slowly, people are realizing that it's okay to stand up, to raise their hand in solidarity. People are realizing that cops can't arrest everyone, they can't mace everyone, they can't take their daddy issues out on everyone. People are realizing it's okay to say that you too want corporations to pay their fair share and stop devouring this country's resources, sucking it dry, leeching its life force. This is the economic version of a competitive eating competition. Tremendously rotund CEOs shoving hot dogs into their engorged lying faces, hoping they won't vomit everywhere before the clock runs out, trying to get one more hot dog just one more bite into their fucking mouths. And until now, no one has been stopping it. We've just been standing here and watching this morbid obesity with morbid curiosity, just going, are they really gonna eat all that? They can't, they can't possibly still be hungry. Why are they still eating at this point? It's, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen. This is not a right and left issue. This is a right and wrong issue. Whoever's not willing to push for regulation and taxation of Wall Street is the enemy, whether left or right, black or white, male or female, dumb or old, whether politically aware or someone who paid money to see Transformers 3 or 2 or 1 or really anything by Michael Bay. Anything. A lot has been made about the fact that a large percentage of the Occupy Wall Street protesters are young people and therefore aren't representative of America. Well, who the fuck do you think has the most to lose once this country starts to look like the day after tomorrow meets the day after? Who do you think is dying overseas for a war that is now only about making Afghanistan safe for KBR shareholder profits? Who do you think has the most years left to breathe the polluted air, drink the tainted water, eat the mutated fish, and watch the fetid reality shit on TV that is clearly creating a nation of malignant and imaginations. Who do you think? We're the ones who have to sit in this rancid bathwater twiddling our thumbs and flicking our ding-dongs for the next 70 years going, remember back when we could have stopped this? Man, we should have like done something. So it started as young people, yes, but now all brands of people are coming along, all ages, races, and creeds. Well, not those who like Creed, you're not welcome, but everyone else. So go to OccupyTogether.org and learn about the protests going on all over this country. There's one near you, you have no excuse. The powerful are not going to cede their money, their control, their dead enslavement reigns, their gold-plated toilet bowls without a fight, and we're only in round one. But that's okay. I understand if you have better things to do than decide the future of this country. There's got to be a Michael Bay movie on somewhere. Because of
It is the panic of the plutocrats. The oligarchy is terrified about what they are seeing now in the streets of Manhattan and in the streets of cities all over this country. Yeah, the Occupy Wall Street movement has blossomed in cities and small towns from coast to coast, from Occupy Boston to Occupy San Diego, with more and more diverse groups joining to protest corporate greed. You heard Glenn Beck there warning fellow plutocrats they're going to come and drag them out of their homes and kill them. Oh, good Lord. And now Occupy Wall Street is occupying the State Department. Climate Action Youth Group 350.org organized Occupy the State Department over the weekend, calling on Secretary of State Hillary Clinton to deny approval of the proposed Keystone XL pipeline across the Midwest. The 1,700-mile Keystone XL pipeline would carry dirty oil from the tar sands of Canada 1,700 miles across the farmland and aquifers of the Midwest, all the way to ports at the Gulf of Mexico. NASA climate scientist James Hansen has warned that if the pipeline is built, allowing full exploitation of the Alberta tar sands, it will be, quote, game over for the climate. And because the protesters are not allowed to use electronic amplification, 350 org founder and climate activist Bill McKibben spoke via the human microphone in front of the State Department to amplify his words for all to hear. That's why we can never do anything about global warming. That's why we can never do anything about global warming. Exxon gets in the way. Exxon gets in the way. Goldman Sachs gets in the way. Goldman Sachs gets in the way. The whole fossil fuel industry gets in the way. The protesters did not spare criticism of President Barack Obama either. We have to free Obama. We have to free Obama. Because there's some kind of stunt double there now. Because there's some kind of stunt double there now. <laughs> you know, it's very funny. Fox News just can't wrap their brain around these protests. They think that this is uh, Barack Obama leading these protests. And I've seen as many people critical of Obama and the Democrats as I have anything else during this very real grassroots uprising. And if it seems like corporate media coverage of Occupy Wall Street is lopsided, how about this? The corporate media and House Republicans have generated copious coverage on the bankruptcy of solar panel maker Solyndra, but aren't interested in newly released State Department emails showing a very cozy relationship between State Department officials and TransCanada's chief lobbyist, who also happens to be a former Hillary Clinton campaign official. In fact, a new analysis by Media Matters shows that the flood of corporate media coverage of the Solyndra bankruptcy dwarfs coverage of the Iraq war contracting abuses and corruption by a ratio of 5 to 1. But the biggest bombshell... ThinkProgress.org reports that the State Department has now admitted that a Houston-based private contractor it hired to conduct the environmental review of the pipeline, saying it was no big deal, was actually recommended by TransCanada. Even though that contractor had previously worked on projects for TransCanada, the contractor calls TransCanada a major client in its marketing materials, and that contractor will likely work on the pipeline if approved, which is a potentially illegal conflict of interest. So the Obama-Clinton State Department is teaming up with uh, corporate cronies here, but the Republicans have no problem in this case because the corporate cronies happen to be working on something the Republicans care about? Apparently. When the boss comes calling, they'll put us down. When the boss comes calling, they'll stand your ground. When the boss comes calling, don't believe their lies. When the boss comes calling, he'll take his toe. When the boss comes calling, don't you sell your soul. When the boss comes calling, we gotta organize. Let them know.
took a while, but corporate media are giving serious coverage to the Occupy Wall Street protests. But new CNN host Aaron Burnett thought what the protests really needed was a fact check. On October 3rd, Burnett explained that the protesters didn't know what they were protesting, a point reinforced by her guest, former Rudy Giuliani speechwriter John Avalon. Burnett, who worked on Wall Street and is engaged to a Citigroup executive, then went down to the protests herself to explain to them how the world really works. She informed one protester that, quote, taxpayers actually made money on the Wall Street bailout, close quote. This fact should put an end to all the unrest. Quote, this was the big issue, so we solved it, close quote. But the TARP bailouts aren't the central motivator behind the protests, and even if they were, Burnett's understanding of how they worked is flawed. That TARP money amounted to low-interest loans for banks that had profited handsomely from, among other things, a massive housing bubble. Some of those banks, like Burnett's former employer Goldman Sachs, turned around and used that money to make more money, promptly paying off the government loan. It's hard to see this as a win for taxpayers. And, as many critics have pointed out, the government got burned on those loans by charging too little. And remember, TARP loans are a tiny part of the total government bailout of the financial sector, which runs in the trillions of dollars. Most Americans didn't get low-interest emergency assistance, which is actually one of the reasons people are protesting Wall Street. To Aaron Burnett, the fact that banks were rescued shows there's no reason to protest. I know it doesn't make any sense, but remember, it's the weirdos with the bongo drums who don't know the facts. What does it take to get a New York Times business writer to check out Occupy Wall Street? And that's not really a riddle, but it was answered by the Times' Andrew Ross Sorkin on October 4th. Sorkin's write-up isn't bad overall and includes a decent description of protesters' message as being about seeking accountability for Wall Street and corporate America for the financial crisis and the growing economic inequality gap. But Sorkin's been criticized for being a little too chummy with his Wall Street sources, and his setup to this piece won't dispel that. He writes, quote, I had gone down to Zuccotti Park to see the activist movement firsthand after getting a call from the chief executive of a major bank last week, before nearly 700 people were arrested over the weekend during a demonstration on the Brooklyn Bridge. Is this Occupy Wall Street thing a big deal? The CEO asked me. I didn't have an answer. We're trying to figure out how much we should be worried about all this, he continued, clearly concerned. Is this going to turn into a personal safety problem? Close quote. Well, points to Sorkin for honesty, I guess. But readers can also hope that he would take a personal interest in events on his beat, even absent a phone call from a worried banker. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as 5 
$5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Aside from being bad, she also seems to be, um, well, I don't know. I guess the jury's out. She's either an idiot or just a huge liar. And I'm going to go with, well, this also could be just uh, enormously lazy and uh, too self-satisfied. It's probably a combination of all three. I'm not sure if we see all three in this clip, but uh, let's play this clip. This is Aaron Burnett. This is just a day, uh, day and a half ago, I guess. Uh, I've completely lost sense of time. Uh, Aaron Burnett headed down to Occupy Wall Street. Uh, she shot, like, look, we were down there. We saw this guy who's in this clip, actually. He was hanging out when we were interviewing Naomi Klein. He was probably standing a foot from Naomi Klein listening into our show yeah. live. Yeah. Yes. And um, are there people there who look a little freaky or wearing funny glasses? Or ha Yes. And I would say the percentage of those people relative to the entire size of the crowd is somewhere between 1% and 3%. Um, there's a lot of people there who look, frankly, like, like you, Matt. Are you saying I'm one of those freaky-looking people? Or? No, I'm saying that uh, you look like somebody who maybe doesn't, who hasn't been out and hasn't taken a shower in a couple of days. Thank you. You've been sleeping outside. <laughs> no, it's just like you know, a lot I take of people pride look in like kids, you know, wearing you know a hoodie because that's what they, you know. And um, so here is Erin Burnett doing this serious report. She goes down there and. She, she really fakes out this uh, ad sales guy or this uh, former marketing guy or software, computer software developer. But uh, let's listen to this clip. Hey, seriously? The Occupy Wall Street protest entered its third week today. What started as less than a dozen college students camping out in a park near the New York Stock Exchange is now hundreds of protesters. And it's spread to other cities. But what are they protesting? Nobody seems to know. So this afternoon, we went to Wall Stop. Street to find out. And this Nobody's three weeks into this, she's saying, and nobody seems to know. When was this? This is two days ago, right? Yes. And she's claiming that nobody, nobody seems to know. She has a very, she apparently uh, has either a very limited social and news circle. You know, I mean, she could have said, like, some people think they have an idea, or there's some places where you can say, but nobody seems to know. Nobody. Three weeks into That's stunning. In fact, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who could actually say, nobody seems to know anymore. You know, I mean, if she had done this three weeks ago. I mean, even that bank CEO who told Andrew Ross Sorkin to get down there seemed to have a better grasp of what was going on That's than, a very good than point. her. That's a very good point. Maybe she should uh, get Andrew uh, Ross Sorkin's um, you know, uh, Rolodex and call that bank CEO to ask him. All right, let's keep playing. Despite what you heard, here's what I saw. It's not just a bunch of dancing hippies protesting. There are all kinds of people there. Babies, teachers, cheerleaders, Uncle Sampta, and that seriously it. it's a that she was talking about human being incidentally if you're not seeing the picture but aside from that um 
You see, uh, see the sort of the rhetorical little game she plays here? It's not just a bunch of hippies. There's also a bunch of other freaks and teachers. Right? There's cheerleaders and that and, and teachers. So it's not just hippies, folks. I don't, <laughs> I, want, I don't want you to think I'm judging. It's not just hippies. There's also a bunch of freaks and teachers. Mixed bag, but they were happy to take some time from their books, banjos, bongos, sports drinks, catered lunch. Yeah, there was catered lunch. Designer yoga clothing. Oh, my God, not catered lunch. You mean people have to eat? Oh, there's a catered lunch as opposed to what? It's not a home-cooked meal that they're doing in the park. I mean, there's no Bunsen burners there. No, they bought pizza from across the street or people sent them pizza. It's not a catered lunch. It's, it is stunning. Keep going. I also like how she says banjos like this. Banjos? Like she has no idea how to say the word. Right. <laughs> Weird instruments. <laughs> That's a Lululemon logo. Computers, lots of MacBooks, and phones to help us get to the bottom of it. This is unemployed software developer Dan. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a software developer. Software developer. Yes. So currently employed or unemployed? Unemployed. Unemployed. Unemployed, we like to call it. Unemployed. It's called Occupy Wall Street. So do you know that um, taxpayers actually made money on the Wall Street bailout? Uh, I was not aware of that. They did. They made, not on GM, but they did on the, okay. on the Wall Street part of the bailout. Okay. Does that make you feel any differently? Well, I would have to do more research about it. But um, If I were right, it might. Oh, sure. Pause it. All right, Th this person is, and, and this is where obviously she's just lying or she's just stupid. Um, and, and I would imagine, uh, and these things aren't mutually exclusive, to be fair. She could be lying and she could be stupid. Uh, she could be willfully ignorant. Uh, but she really wanted to go down there and, uh, and prove how, how clueless these people were. There's no reason to be mad at Wall Street. Now, GM, on the other hand... You could be mad at GM, but not Wall Street, uh, which I got to say is fairly co coincidental because uh, here's a statement uh, by way of uh, Will Bunch and Brian Hickey of the local Independence Tea Party and what they have to say about Occupy Wall Street. Because the implication here that she's saying is that Bailing out the, oh, the, the banks was a great idea. GM, uh, we didn't make any money on that, but. Wonder where she got that concept from. Wonder where she got that sort of like, um, that, I don't know if I would call it a talking point. The idea that Wall Street is the root of all evil is also an anathema to us. Like any other institution, Wall Street has its corrupt figures, and such individuals should be dealt with accordingly. But to condemn Wall Street en masse is akin to condemning our entire free enterprise system. Our association deplores corporate bailouts. GM. They're talking about GM. Hmm. Corporate subsidies, Solyndra. <laughs> and corporate welfare. Now, of course, we know that Solyndra and any solar subsidies are literally 2% of all the subsidies we give to uh, energy, whether it's uh, $50 billion for nuclear uh, power, for uh, uh, another uh, $10, 20000000000 for um, uh, coal, and another $10, 20000000000 for oil subsidies, 
but it's the $500,000 loan or the uh, $1.5 million loan to Solyndra. That was the big problem. At the same time, however, we recognize the contributions and achievements of America's Chamber of Commerce. I, I, she's parroting uh, the uh, talking points of these uh, Tea Party people. I guess that's not to be surprised, but uh, but uh, let, let's keep playing with this uh, this video. Seriously? That's all it would take to put an end to the unrest. Well, as promised, we did go double-check the numbers on the bank bailout, and this is what we found. Yes, the bank bailouts made money for American taxpayers right now to the tune of $10 billion, anticipated that it will be $20 billion. Those are seriously the numbers. And this was the big issue, so we solved it. In fact, the only reason we haven't made all the TARP money back is actually GM. But I don't see any protests in Detroit. It's so there it is. Uh, and GM probably, we're, I think we're going to see uh, the money. In fact, I think if you look at market capitalization, we probably have made money. We just haven't sold all the stock in there. But that's aside from the point, because she conflates bank bailouts with TARP. Yes, TARP was one element of the bank bailouts, but there was TALF, which is that uh, short-term asset-backed uh, securities loan facility, which essentially, there was a whole series of different instruments that allowed banks to borrow money from the Fed at 0% interest. And then what they did is turned around and loaned that money back to us at one, two, three, four percent interest by buying U.S. Treasury bonds. So, in other words, and we've talked about this many times, Matt, let me borrow ten dollars. Okay, you give me ten dollars, and you come to me, you go, hey, uh, can I borrow ten dollars? Sure can. Just give me eleven dollars tomorrow. You give me that $11, and then I give you back the 10 that I borrowed from you, and I have a buck. And I've just made a buck off of you, Matt. And you, in this instance, you are the taxpayer. Apparently, Erin Burnett, didn't she work on, like, CNBC? Didn't she work for, like, some financial channel? She couldn't figure that out. We also know the billions of dollars that was sent uh, to AIG was basically a slush fund for other uh, banks, particularly Goldman Sachs. We also know that we allowed the Bank of America to sell a bunch of their crappy uh, mortgages to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So there's anywhere, I mean, uh, the figures range from anywhere from like 1.5 to $3 trillion that have been spent on these bank bailouts. So the notion that it didn't cost any taxpayers any money is ridiculous, but that's not even relevant anyways. Because even if the bailouts cost no money, even if we made $10 billion on the bailouts, we still have a completely broken financial system because of the excessive leveraging and speculation these banks did, and it has destroyed the economy. There are, depending on how you calculate it, over 20 million people unemployed. There are millions of people whose mortgages are um, underwater. There are millions of people who have been subjected to mortgage fraud. 
There is ongoing mortgage fraud. So forget about the bailouts. Wall Street ruined our economy. Ruined our economy. The financialization of our economy is ruining our economy. The income disparity is ruining our economy. But Aaron Barnett found it more convenient to just reduce it down to, do we make money on TARP? With simple minds, still we want it all. Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. There's a conservative named Patrick Howley. He thinks he's really clever, and uh, he has infiltrated uh, the Occupy DC movement. And he, according to him, he said it is, quote, a cause that I had infiltrated the day before in order to mock and undermine in the pages of the American Spectator. Okay, that was his intention. So what does he do? He goes down to the Smithsonian Institute's Air and Space Museum, which Occupy DC wanted to protest because of the drones that they were exhibiting, and all the, uh, and we have the basically internationally illegal program where we execute U.S. citizens that are abroad uh, based on some bureaucrat's decision without any due process, and we do so, uh, oftentimes with drones. That's why they were down there to protest. And Patrick Howley wasn't just uh, there to report what was going on. He wasn't just in disguise. He's the one that broke through the security barrier at the museum, trying to encourage everybody else to do so, so they can get pepper sprayed, so they can maybe get arrested. And he says in his article that he's proud. That, and he's like, I'm glad I took the pepper spray. And, but it turns out he was the only one that actually broke the security barrier. So, you know, before, some people were worried about so-called black flag operations where conservatives would infiltrate the, uh, this Occupy movement and try to make it look bad. Here's a guy who did it and then brags about it. Goes to one of the writes for he's in fact an, uh, an assistant editor at the American Spectator, one of the conservative magazines, and comes out and says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm, I was the one who brazenly breaking whatever rules there were and encouraging everybody else to break the rules, so then I could later mock uh, those same people that I encouraged to do that." Except it didn't work. He was the only clown that broke through the barrier. Man, you got to be careful. These conservatives love Wall Street. That's where they get all of their money. They love the corporations. They're all corporate robots. And they will do anything to keep that money going, including infiltrating this uh, movement and trying to, to make light of it or to demean it in any way, shape, or form by any means necessary. Solidarity. 
taken untold millions that they never toil to earn. But without our brain and muscle, not a single wheel can turn. We can break their haughty power, gain our freedom when we learn that the union makes us strong. Solidarity forever. Since the start of Occupy Wall Street, J.P. Morgan Chase has contributed millions of dollars. Four million dollars. Four point something million dollars, I think, to the New York Police Department, showing wow. two things. One, they're scared. Lovely. And two, they're not hurting for cash. No, they can just Wow, come on. Everybody right. knows that. But you know what's interesting? When I was down there, I did start getting angry because... Um, the cops are trying to intimidate people. Yeah, but you don't know. you cannot let that work. They want a riot. The uh, reason yeah. they want a riot, and I was trying to emphasize this in Los Angeles. I was telling everybody. Dylan and I spoke there to a group, and uh, I told them. You guys spoke at Pershing Square. No, uh, yeah, yeah, we spoke there. We did a. Uh, How can I get booked for that? <laughs> uh, just we're going Saturday. Come with us. What does it pay? Uh, <laughs> in, in, in a good night's sleep, there's no price. You know, this was the embarrassing thing for me is that I had been saying I want to be involved. I want to be involved. I want. And I wasn't going anywhere. And then, I thought, oh, I could get stage time. Right. <laughs> I'm on a train. I'm going the downtown. The thing is, though, Wait, let me get back to the point. I just, point. I just want to tell you one quick thing about this. To save money, because they have occupation, Salem, occupation, Seattle, to save money, it's all being booked out of a central office in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buzzy Lazar. I'm yeah, sorry. It's a Yoder gig. Um, no, but here's, here's the thing. Anytime your opponent wants you to do something, you have to do the opposite of what they want. Otherwise, you gave them what they want. If they want violence... You must, no matter how you feel, it isn't about you. It isn't about wow. how you feel. You it is not about you. And if they That's know right. that you're going to feel a certain emotion, they're going to find that button and push it. Because a riot comes to an end and everyone goes home. That's an occupation point. lasts forever. They want you to riot so you'll look bad. Also, the world no longer has your back when you riot. They mm -hmm. all suddenly turn and hate you. They want the world to hate you. Right now, they Correct. love you. You will lose all I, cred. I, if I, you I give totally them. agree with you. And they're going to send in a lot of new shoes. I and new shoes are the guys that are the agent provocateurs oh, that, you know, but all, remember in the yeah. 60s, always, always look at the shoes, you know, oh, oh, new, know. we called them new shoes. And so look for the new shoes. It's a guy that looks like he just doesn't belong in your group and he's going to start making trouble. And they generally wear a mask and anyone doing this. And here is the rule. Anyone, no violence towards anyone outside. I don't care how you take care of this guy internally. Okay, though. let me let me get him out of here. Yank that mask off. Photograph him if you can get his mm. wallet on. Get his ID. Get that too. I don't care what you do with this guy, but they are your worst enemy, and they are sent on the inside to stir up trouble and make you all look bad. They are a disease. Surround them like antibodies. So you're saying when you say new shoes, you're saying that they're sending in oh, we fake, don't know fake that. proto. No, it's it is a common tactic. Yeah, I'm sure. Is it happening? You think already? Oh, it's already happening. Yeah, yeah. They're infiltrating, but they're, they're they're just waiting for their moment. But I'm saying, catch them, boot them out, take as many of you as it takes to get them out. That what happened was. The military, th that there were industrialists who don't send their own kids to fight in World War One or World War Two in the 30s who thought they could co-opt this guy, Butler. Smedley Butler. And he was a World War One hero. He was the most respected general. He spoke at the bonus march uh, when the, the soldiers were trying to collect their bonus from Hu Hubert, Hu Hubert Hubert. Herbert Hoover. Yeah. Herbert One of Hubert. those guys. And, and they, you know, he stayed with them and... They were crying on his shoulder, and he had the love of his men. And the industrialists try to co-opt him and say, so and he said, no, I'm saying, saying that there are still institutions in our country. 
even the army, despite Petraeus, despite Colin Powell, there are still people within our police force and our army who know right from wrong. Yeah, that's and true. And when you look at the video of Tony Baloney pepper spraying those women, if you look at the other cops... They all go going, what the hell did he just do? He's disgracing all of us. And that's why I think he's getting his in a way we'll never hear about it. But then there Something, was pepper spraying... Something's going down. He's being but covered Rick, for. They were pepper spraying tonight again, people. They, get, they sent a new batch. Look, they're not going <laughs> to stop trying this. Mm. They're not going to stop trying to start a riot. Once you know that, nothing makes them angrier. Nothing pisses them off worse than you not giving them what they want. And not giving them what they want means you got to get a lid. you got to grow up and get a lid on your own emotions to the point where when they want, like someone goes, you want to fight? Okay, bring it on. Okay, you don't belong up front. you got to go way in back and just dole out coffee and food because up in the front line, we need people that won't take the bait. You cannot take that bait. Yeah, you, will give, you will give your enemy everything they want in one shot if you start a riot. Make you love to the police. Utterly, I understand. Utterly Make love to the police. I understand. Yeah. Make love to the police. What you want to do is co-opt the police, bring them into the movement. Yeah, it's not even co-opting. It's making them wake up to realize you're only, your union is only being momentarily spared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that well, they, you are clearly next they need once the private co- forces come in. They're getting oh. rid of fire. To, that's right. Blackwater. That's right. And the whole thing is you're supposed to not be good at stopping the riots, so they have to bring in Blackwater. Then they ditch you and put you on the other side. Right. Where did they get Pinkertons in this day and age? A lot of this stuff is Explain who the Pinkertons were. The Pinkertons were the private forces that were used to put down the mining strikes. Blackwater of the day? Yeah, they, yeah, they were the goons, basically. Yeah, so they'd ride up on horses with sticks, and, and they beat were uh, also um, detectives. The Pinkertons were detectives and security guards, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and they were a, and they were a private company. Yeah, yeah, they were like black, hired by black black people water. with money. Rockefeller. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, in fact, uh, did a gig with the Pinkertons uh, back. In- <laughs> this Pinky- could get. I actually I, I played won- a guy named William Burns, who was the head of the Burns Detective Agency, but this was back in the turn of the century. There was a TV uh, movie for television called The Murder of Mary Fagan. And uh, this guy was the guy who would be called in by the railroad because people were blowing up the bridges when they were trying to strike against the... Uh, and he was like the Sherlock Holmes of America back in 1910 or 1920. And he was good because he would uh, dress in the clothes like the people he was interviewing, and he was able to get them to talk. I had a scene where I hung around a pig pen with a farmer trying to find out. But, Rick, do you think this could get... Ugly because of the rich. It's already ugly. It could go stupid if we act equally as ugly back. Just keep remembering the one thing you fight with is not giving them their objective. Their objective is a riot. Go to any length to not give them that. Martin Luther King, just observe Mandela and Gandhi. Yeah, Yeah, they all watch how that technique. That's why those guys get whacked. Is because they don't want you to know that this is the tactic that destroys your enemy. Is the world will come to hate them and they. Will start to cut them off and they die from starvation once the world cuts right. them off. Or so, the world will march in and stomp them out like a cigarette. But it isn't up to you to do. It is get the world on your side. Right. And that's no, where the strike is. I understand it.
let's talk about this issue first, which is, is Occupy Wall Street there for Democrats? Are we the left-wing version of the Tea Party? Right. Uh, no. The, the Tea Party has a very specific officials they want to elect. Um, and, and we, we don't, we, Occupy Wall Street does not want to be co-opted, uh, by Democrats. I mean, the Democrats are in this great position right now where they get to go on TV, right? Right. Whereas most of the people from Occupy Wall Street do not. And they can very easily say, oh, well, this is a clear statement that they're sending to the country. People are willing to put their bodies on the line to elect us. Right? Right. And that's not it. I mean, when did Occupy Wall Street start? It started under the Obama administration uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, you look at Obama's economic team, and it's the same team that put us in this fucking mess. I mean, it's filled with Goldman Sachs execs. Jesus Christ, how much clearer uh, can it be that Occupy Wall Street is against them? Right. Um, but then something in Atlanta... What, what what no no i this is i actually want to talk about this because there's been updates since it happened and it's very interesting so so in atlanta what happened uh well the good thing in atlanta is apparently they renamed the park uh troy davis after oh. troy davis which is pretty cool that is very cool um and uh one of the only politicians you can ever have sympathy for uh, John Lewis yes. showed up to speak at Occupy Wall Street. And let's just go through it in the order we heard it. Okay. That's what we heard. Yes. And Dig- I saw Digby post it. And John Lewis immediately turned down to speak. Here's why this is bad. Uh, John Lewis isn't just a politician. John Lewis was fucking beaten during the civil rights uh, movement. He's a civil rights icon. I mean, he's a hero. When people look at John Lewis, they think of Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Yeah. I mean, John Lewis... A- and uh, he is pretty much always on the right side of everything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he really is one of the good guys. He's the model of what good can happen when a real citizen becomes a politician. Absolutely. Not yeah. just a citizen, but like an activist. Right, right, right. Um, now... What's more of the story? So, uh, originally what happened was that how Occupy, uh, the Occupy movements work is because they're a purely democratic movement, no one can skip the line. Yeah. And when John Lewis approached the group, they were dealing, uh, they were doing a general assembly. They were dealing with matters. So what they said was, you can't speak right now, but you can come back later and speak to the group. So John Lewis was interviewed and people asked him, was he offended by being turned away? And he said, it's okay. They didn't really deny me. Uh, What happened was that protesters decided he could return after their agenda items had been completed. But they said, look, we're not here for the Democratic Party. We're not here so you can get skip the line and get on a soapbox and tell us to go all vote for Obama. We're not here for the Republican Party. We're not here for any political party. You have the right to speak because this is a democratic movement. Right. But you have to speak when it's your turn. Yeah. And uh, John Lewis just didn't have time. So when he was asked about this, that's why he didn't launch into a tirade. And he said, it's okay. (laughs) They didn't deny me. They just said I had to wait my turn. So not that big a deal. Right. Now, people were offended because it was like, my God, if you could learn anything from civil disobedience and protest... John Lewis is willing to speak to you. Let the man speak. But I do respect how Occupy is so committed yeah. to dr- true 
democracy that like Dylan Radigan showed at, at Occupy Wall Street and thought he was going to skip the line. And then when they said he couldn't do it, he was like, right on, because he respected that they were a truly democratic movement. When I show up to a comedy show and they say, hey, the drum circle's on first, I'd say, fuck you, let me on. <laughs> and then I'm going home before your stupid drum circle comes up. Right. When me and Talib Kweli showed up, they're like, we're going to finish the general assembly. And then there were some drums. And then you guys, and I was like, right on. Yep. Drums were here before this I was. This is how the Occupy movement works. You are no one. At the Occupy movement. There's no leader. There's nobody who gets preferential treatment. But at the same time, everybody's a leader. So when you do get to speak, when it's your turn, you have a fully attentive audience. Well, that's what was so interesting about the John Lewis thing is you had the guy who was speaking and running the General Assembly, uh, you know, bring up John Lewis. And then the first person that denied him was just some random dude in the audience. And the people mic, people's mic was repeating after him. Right. And he opened by saying, you know... Uh, I respect. I first want to say Mr. that Lewis, I respect, yeah. and everyone repeated it. John Lewis is service. John Lewis is service. But but right. this is a democratic. Blah, blah blah blah. And they were dealing with matters before John Lewis arrived. Now, your first immediate response to that is you want to get angry and you want to say you should respect someone like John, especially Lewis. for liberals, because I think there are a lot of liberals right now that would be easier to ignore the Occupy Wall Street movement, even though they're, they're doing something. It's just, you're just waiting to find out something bad about them. So you can be like, all right, see, see, that's too far. And people jumped all over this. Uh, Even supporters of Occupy Wall Street were like, guys, too far. Right. But then when you heard the full story, as so often happens, you know, everybody immediately reacts and then we get all the details and we're like, oh, okay. Once you understand with all of these details, it made me respect the movement more just because it was like nobody was disrespectful to him when they turned him away. Right. They said he can come back, but right now somebody else has the floor yeah. and you're no more important than anybody else. Now, I think Martin Luther King Jr. would have really liked that. I think he would have been like, yeah, I like that no one has more value than the next person standing beside them. No, let me go speak. I'm Martin Luther King. And I have somewhere to be, bitches. <laughs> Probably a prison. Is what he would have said. Just take it up for your rights. Yeah. But I, I really think it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, from the sound of it, so does John Lewis. He wasn't mad. He said, it's okay. They didn't deny me. Right. Um, you know, the man has seen the most important grassroots civil rights campaign emerge ever in this country. He He's re- not going to discredit the next one, you know? Hey, you know what Occupy Wall Street didn't do? Sick dogs on me. <laughs> and beat me with nightclubs. The man did that. The establishment. And Occupy Wall Street is against that. <laughs> so I'm for that. Yeah. Let's close with talking about some real assholes, Jamie. <laughs> for some reason, I rested the microphone behind me. Did you get tangled in wires? I, I did. Are you okay? <laughs> it's, it's a little nerve-wracking, but I'm all right now. So at the Board of Trade in Chicago. Guys, hold on. If anyone has any weapons in their hands, <laughs> put them down. Uh, you can't be near any, anything that you could hurt yourself with or hurt someone next to you with. Uh, which by the way, the board of Chicago is where the tea party was born. Rick Santelli, who's another real asshole on the board of, or on the floor, uh, on CNN was saying, I'm sick of bailing out these people who bought mortgages that they couldn't really afford. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, a real Man of the people, Rick Santelli. <laughs> That's how grassroots this movement is. It took a fucking anchor on, on a, a new show that anchor. shills for major corporations to be like, oh, I'm sick of Black poor people. people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so again, we go back to the Board of Trade. 
and they taped up a message in their window for the organizers of Occupy Chicago. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this, uh, the Occupy movement has um, a slogan, if you will, that says, uh, we are the 99%, meaning we're the majority of Americans we're who, all don't, yeah, who don't benefit from the rigged economic system we have right now. So the traders posted a message that said, we are the 1%. <laughs> On the window. Thanks for clarifying that, boys. We, we were a little confused. I Kudos to Occupy Chicago for not just waiting out there with baseball bats. Well, her, yeah, that was really... Everyone to leave. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the reason that the Occupy movement has gained so much legitimacy is because it's a peaceful movement. Right. Um, and no matter how vicious the cops are with macing and tasering and pepper spraying and penning them in, they just keep coming back and they just keep sitting down and saying, we're here again. Yeah. Arrest us. London, block the bridge. Yep. London, uh, David Cameron's working very hard to privatize the NHS system, which is their uh, health care system which that we want. Which does so well here. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of Americans want the NHS system, you know? Right. Um, so they... Occupied a bridge, sat down, and refused to leave. Uh, this is what needs to be happening everywhere. Um, and the fact that Occupy Chicago didn't respond to being baited by these traders, you guys won. You absolutely won. Because guess what? They look like the assholes. Yeah. That, was, that image was put up everywhere, and that got you guys more support. So thank you, traders. <laughs> That's it. If you guys keep doing that, Occupy wins, you yeah. know? And Occupy, if you stay peaceful, you win. Hey Jay, this is Mark from Salisbury, Maryland. Um, just listening to your show today on education. Uh, just wanted to bring up a quick point. Last night, the superintendent, Dr. John Ferguson, has actually just sent out a memo about budget meeting here. Some of the things that were disturbing is the salary cuts for the teachers here in the county. Um, I think the average uh, starting salary here for a teacher in the county is over about 45000 um, and they're talking about cutting that now. I know they were talking about one of the clips today um, about one of the superintendents from one of the other uh, counties here in the states where he took um, a budget cut. Now, I'm not sure how much the superintendent here in the county makes, but, um, you know, they're talking, they've already cut the children's bus routes down by at least 12 or 13 buses, which puts... The children at increased risk. We've already had problems with traffic and a lot of the smaller kids, you know, walking to school and high school kids walking to school. So it's created more of a problem. Plus, too, we're talking about cutting down the schools from five days to four days. So it was interesting just to hear about that and hear about how the politicians here in the country have been bashing teachers. It's not that it's not been so bad here. But, you know, we're actually getting to it, even though we're just a small rural country, you know, town here in the States, you know, everything trickles down to us. So I'll just leave that comment. I like the uh, I like the show today. So take care. Love what you're doing. And you have a good one. Bye. Hi, this is Kevin Grishkot from Timonium, Maryland. Um, I'm putting out an activist call to action. 
This is for everyone in the Baltimore area. We uh, need to support the Occupy Baltimore at downtown Inner Harbor. So uh, come on out, get your body out there, get seen, get, uh, get noticed, and get results. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Matt in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. I just wanted to say uh, thank you. I want to say thank you so much to everybody that's taking part in the Occupy Wall Street protests and, and the uh, various Occupy movement protests across the country. I think maybe it's understood, maybe it's assumed, but I think it's very rarely been said that the people that are there and the people that are able to put themselves on the line to be there 24 hours a day, for every one of them, there are 10 of us that can't make it there because we have to work two jobs to uh, feed our families. And, and uh, you know, I don't live an extravagant life, but I, I've got to work two jobs just to clear the bills, and even that's tight sometimes. I can't afford, I, I can't take a day, much less uh, a month, to uh, to go and, and protest, even it's even it's something this important. As long as I can work, I have to work. But I want to thank those people for being my voice and for being my representation. I will, I will celebrate you guys and tout you guys every chance I get, every every time I get a chance to say something when I'm at a party and, and having a discussion with somebody, I do. You guys are, are making the difference, and I totally appreciate the fact that you're doing it for me and for everyone else out there. Trust me, for every one of you, there's at least 10 of us, and, and we love you and we thank you for it. Thanks a lot, Jay. Hey, hi, this is Vicki from Oregon again. I forgot to say the last time I called, thank you, thank you for introducing me to Lee Camp. What a gem that guy is. He gets right to the point and says it just like I feel it. So thanks for uh, having him on. Bye. Hi, Jay. It's Michael from Glen Burnie. I uh, just wanted to call and briefly comment on the uh, Occupy Wall Street thing. I just wanted to say that I had exactly the same thought as Dan Carlin, and I was so happy to hear him say it, that this is the perfect time to reach across the aisle to the realty partiers, not the manufactured ones, and and see if we can get some solidarity on this, because there are some really core issues that I think both the tea partiers and the 99 percenters have in common. And I think it would be such a powerful message if, if they were both to join forces together and fight for that cause. So anything anyone can do out there, I guess that's my first call to action. Do it. Try to, try to get them working on the same page. And secondly, I just also want to say, I don't know, this wasn't a huge news story, but apparently uh, Occupy Wall Street may actually be getting some help that uh, they may not necessarily need but they deserve. The Dark Knight Returns is shooting in New York shortly, within a week or so, and Christopher Nolan has said he's going to include them in, uh, or he's thinking about including them in a scene, uh, not necessarily as themselves, but they will. They might actually get some presence in the movie, so how's that? At any rate, just want to leave my message and leave my two cents, and thanks for everything you do. Take care.
Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So uh, I was making a show today, as you might have guessed by the fact that uh, this show exists, and uh, a, a distraction came up. You know, a distraction always comes up. I'm sure you're familiar with the concept. <clears throat> Today's distraction was at least not an entire uh, waste of time uh, for two reasons, one of which is it became the story for the end of today's show. So that was nice. Uh, the other reason I'll get to uh, at the end. So this all happens on Twitter. Uh, someone uh, tweeted to their followers. They didn't even mention me. You know, I, They just used the phrase best of the left, and I, I have a search for that, so it came up. And uh, so this person says, holy shit, best of the left podcast is too far left for me. Question, quote, how many people are you okay with being executed? Answer, as many as it takes. So they were referring to the fact that in the uh, recent death penalty episode that I posted, the question was was uh, posed, how many innocent people are you okay with being executed in order to continue supporting the death penalty? Because our contention is that it is an inevitable byproduct of having the death penalty that some innocent people will be put to death. And so I, I, I looked at that really closely and I read the question, how many people are you okay with being executed? And I realized, oh, well, they, they're just missing a word in there. That's, that's a pretty easy fix. So I just replied uh, nicely, uh, hey, you're missing a word, quote, innocent. How many innocent people are you okay with being executed? It's the inevitable result of the death penalty. And so they uh, responded, I missed that, apologies. And then continued, I can't change what they do in Texas, but in Kansas, I'm confident all eight of the individuals on our death row are guilty. And so now if you heard that episode, you may remember at the end, I talked about how the death penalty is its one of my new uh, favorite issues because there are so many reasons to be against it that it's really, really easy to argue. And it's I think it's really easy to change someone's mind because you have so many options of how to do it. So I thought, oh, this is perfect. This will be a great test. I'll get to change this guy's mind right here in, in uh, real time. Uh, so I replied, are you confident that all Kansas death row inmates from now going forward will all be guilty? 100% sure. And so he responds, I think it's a fallacious argument to say that because Texas or Georgia do death penalties wrong, and they do, that every state does. And I thought, well, okay, that, so he, he thinks that some states do it right and some do it wrong, but since Kansas does it right, he's in favor of it for Kansas. Okay check. So I continue, why are you so sure about the Kansas history of executions? The Innocence Project proves convicted inmates innocent all the time. And so he responds, all we have is our history as a measure. History being the measure? Yes, I'm confident. Killing is not cultural in Kansas. So, okay, we have more, uh, more Kansas pride coming out there. And so, you know, he sounds, so he's pro-death penalty, but sounds reasonable. And uh, Kansas, uh, his, his, uh, he is smitten with Kansas and they, you know, he is confident in their system. And as long as he has confidence in their system, he will stick by it. But before he said that, you know, he can't do anything about what they do in Texas. Uh, he's only concerned with, with Kansas. And so I asked and keep in mind, this is my fourth, fourth tweet to him. I said, maybe you'd support a federal ban which would save the lives of innocent people in states who, quote, 
do death penalties wrong? And his response was, interesting, never really gave it much thought, and then continued, I'd be willing to give up Kansas's death penalty if it meant Georgia or Texas could never execute another person. <laughs> Done. So just like that, in four tweets, I had him going from pro-death penalty to in favor of a federal ban on the death penalty. I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty impressive. Uh, so he, he caps it off. He caps off the conversation by saying, the real question is whether it's constitutionally possible to have such a ban, to which I replied, sounds like a deal. Sure, it can be constitutional. That's what amendments are for. So bam, just like that, four tweets, total conversion on the death penalty. So I've got to say, I'm a little bit uh, proud of that, happy I got the chance to tell a story, and, and very glad that my time uh, ended up not being wasted on Twitter, as uh, it, it so often can be, and uh, a, a productive conversation was had, and a good story came of it. So that's going to be it for today. Just want to thank a couple of members before I go, as I always do, because you guys make the show possible. Lewis S. signed up for a socialist membership back on July 14th, so he went a little bit above and beyond uh, the minimum amount to help out the show a little bit more and paid for his uh, full membership uh, a year in advance. And Paula P. signed up on July 8th, signed up for a leftist monthly membership and has stuck with the show since then. So huge thanks to Lewis and Paula and all the members and donors who make the show possible. I couldn't do it without you guys. Everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips online through your social networks. It's so easy. Just go to bestoftheleft.com to check out all the ways to do that. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend Farewell to a friend I couldn't get things right